0: Karp, Tell I'm everyone what Thrasher.
1: you just did. Tell everyone what
0: you just did. Well, normally when we start these recordings, in order to sync them up, as John so gloriously does every week, we have to start with our name. So that way we start the recording. It's kind of like our version of a clap, if you will, exactly. to sync it up. And normally I say, Darren Carp. John says, John Thrasher. We move on. But today I, I hit him with a little dose of happiness and I said, Darren Carp. <laughs> and then I introduced Shake It and Disturb as my really high pitched voice. Uh-huh. Because normally I feel like I do the low pitch voice.
1: That's right. Yeah, it's and usually you like came on.
0: And you can, yeah, it's usually Gollum, even though I'm going to mm-hmm. pretend to know that reference. Like, I know that reference in pop culture, but like,
1: Lord, yeah.
0: what is Gollum in? Lord of the Rings?
1: Lord Gollum? of the Rings, yes.
0: Okay, thank God.
1: <laughs> I don't even Nadine, know it that well, but I know Gollum. Nadine
0: Gollum's was voice. singing something to me the other day. Like, she was trying on a jacket that she bought. And mm-hmm. so she was like, dun, 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 dun. you know how people were like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. she was humming something. And I was like, looking at her as she's trying on this coat. And she was like, it's Star Wars, honey. And I was like, is it? <laughs> <laughs> She that was sounds, like, that went right over your head, and I was
1: like, Yeah. 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 See, that I was, knew Star that, Wars because when I was in band in high school, we would play the Star Wars theme, like right. as part of our like show show tunes or whatever.
0: Anyway. Um John, are you supposed to be recording the Zoom or no?
1: Oh, good call.
0: I mean, just as like a um, little aside, yeah, you know, you don't there have there's, to. There's I just there. thought you might want to. You have your Done. There we Look go. Look like okay, how professional sorry guys. we are.
1: Um, Sorry, guys, we're not editing that out of the show. Yeah, that's we're not editing it an out. Exclusive.
0: We have a very interesting case to you, and, and you know, a, 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 it's going to ask some questions. But before we get into this week's case, I mean, I, you and I have so much to discuss, but we're going to get to that on NMR. So I'm, okay. trying, to get to the, that's I'm right. trying to get to the murder quicker sure. rather than. Maybe, maybe it isn't a murder. I don't know. I don't want to Who knows? This is a true uh, crime
1: show. It could be anything.
0: We're going to be shaken, we're going to be disturbed. What are you drinking, speaking of being shaken and disturbed?
1: Well, I'm back to my LaCroix, my Key Lime LaCroix, and I'm just drinking that. I have uh, pickleball right after this late night recording. I, I play very late in the evenings. Um, but Um, Why don't
0: you just stop playing pickleball so you can drink <laughs> on this fucking podcast that we made after drinking?
1: I know. We really should. Or maybe we should just... um you know, record this like after pickleball. That might be a better idea, and then I'll get turned all the way up.
0: I know, but then you're gonna be so sweaty and gross.
1: and tired. I know. There's <laughs> not there aren't enough hours in the day. What are you drinking?
0: I I will say, well, I am I am going back to my. I think I was drinking this two weeks ago, Ooh. two episodes ago. Um, I told you Nadine when we went to Napa, um, in November we joined like a bunch of these wine clubs. That's right. So I am finishing out this 2008 uh savion blanc uh uh-huh. savion blanc savion bon. uh, wine white wine okay. uh, that i'm enjoying a nice dry white if you like it check out hall h-a-l-l what i was going to say to you john though before we get into this week's case is john and i were in a work meeting earlier together and people were asking us like what we drink <laughs> and i was like john drinks child drinks like you who with vodka and then of course john goes ooh, that sounds good that sounds so like i, I try I, it I, Thought you were gonna do you who and Bobby oh maybe today. I'll do
1: that next week. I'll go pick up the ingredients. Um,
0: I hope it doesn't make the milk curdle. I don't listen. Know. That's, that's the fun lot. of the
1: show. If it curdles, it curdles. I mean, I'll, I'll curdles do what it takes and myrtles. The yeah,
0: myrtles, myrtle oh. and curdling. Oh. oh, should we call our martinis curdles? and
1: curdles? I like that. Listen, martinis martini- and myrtles. We should yeah, have
0: created it- the show martinis and myrtles.
1: Why didn't we? I don't know why we did it. Let's start the show already. We're being too crazy. All right. We're
0: being silly. Let's go.
1: Well, Suzanne Basso was born in May of 1954 in Schenectady, New York.
0: Got it. Schenect.
1: Have you been there? I had a friend that lived there, but I never had visited. No.
0: But it's one of those places that everyone knows, like Schenectady. Like I don't know. I just feel like it's one of those places. It is. You're right. Yeah. It's like Erie, Pennsylvania. Have you ever been? I have actually. No. There you go. But
1: you know it. I had tennis uh, tennis tournaments there in college. Um, do you, Did you ever see the movie A Place Beyond the Pines? Yeah, I think no. it was set in Schenectady. Was that a horror movie? It was like a th- murder thriller type of movie, oh. I believe. And I think Ryan Gosling was in it. Oh, my God. It's so good. You should watch it. Oh. Anyway. Okay.
0: Anyway.
1: Anyway, Susan Basso, she was one of eight children living in an incredibly tumultuous household. Her parents were both drunks who frequently subjected their three daughters to both physical and sexual abuse, which is terrifying. Oh, God. Um, Suzanne became a delinquent teenager who was often traunt and had major issues with theft. She was able to complete high school, and after graduating in the early 1970s, married a Marine named James Peake. And within two years of their marriage, the two had a son, J.D., born in 1974, And a daughter, Christina, born in 1975. I saw... I I, I was going to
0: say, sometimes I have bias with this stuff, for better or for worse, because I do think all human beings are equal, and I think that we're all capable, you know, anyone could be capable of any crime at any sort of time, but there's something particularly bad, and I talk about this a lot with, like, the Andrea Yates case, because I feel like that was one of the first cases that really shocked me. I was just talking about this with someone. Where not only was it a woman, but it was like a mother doing this to her children. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's the bias of just, you know, women tending to be the victims of, of crimes... But just something about, like, the mother also being a drunk. Not that it gives the father any permission. I'm not giving him off the hook. But there's something extra sad when it has to deal with, like, a female abusing her children. A woman. No, I agree. Uh, abusing her children. It's just, like, this extra layer for me that yeah. feels wrong.
1: No, yeah. I agree. And, you know, J.D. and his daughter or, and his sister Christina were born in the 70s. And it reminded right. me of this really funny um, post that our friends at True Crime Obsessed just posted on their Instagram the other day. Um, it was a quote from our friend Patrick Hines who we love. Yes. He says, quote, with all of the drugs and all of the sex and all of the serial killers, how did anybody survive California in the 70s? Now, this isn't in California, but like you know how we've always talked about how the 70s is just like listen, yeah. if you made it out of the 70s alive, you you've done something well, you know. My
0: mom told me, side note before we get mm-hmm. back into it, she told me that in the 70s, when right after my parents got married in 1974, my mom never changed her last name, which was very rare, especially oh, for a woman back yeah. then, but she never changed her last name. And um, because why would you change it to Carp? But anyway, <laughs> when they went to go stay at like, they were traveling somewhere, they went to go stay at like a roadside hotel, motel, something like that. Mm-hmm. When they signed in, because my parents, even though they were married, had different last names, they wouldn't let them get a room together. What? Because my mom, they didn't believe that they were married, so they were like an unwed couple, and they wouldn't let them get a room together. And I was, like, floored by this. My yeah. Was, like, it was the 70s. She's like, I should have just lied and said, like, Mr. and Mrs. Michael Carp. You know, yeah. She's like, it's not like you could prove that. Like, yeah. why couldn't, you know, anyone, like, share a room or whatever? Why oh couldn't friends share a room or whatever? But... Anyway, I thought that was fascinating of just how different the world really is.
1: That's right. And by the way, the 70s used to feel like not that long ago, but now that's like 50 50 years years ago, ago, which is is wild to think about. We're getting old. Correct. Anyway, in interviews, Christina, the daughter, has reflected on her parents' marriage, commenting that five foot two Suzanne had, quote, let herself go by reaching a weight of roughly 350 pounds but always seemed to be very promiscuous behavior that James seemed basically not to mind. By the way, these Mm -hmm. are her parents now, obviously that we're talking about. Christina recalled several instances of waiting with her father in the house or on the porch while her mother, quote, finished grunting and groaning with one special friend or another. Sounds like college. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, but like, she waited with her father while her mother did this. So, is, like, yeah,
1: that's a weird way to describe that.
0: Is yes. he like pimping her out? Like, or they have an open marriage, maybe? It I don't might know. just
1: be one of those things where it's like, I don't know. Relationships are so nuanced. If there's one thing they I've really learned are. over the years of this show is that.
0: Especially from me, right? Yeah, like, totally. I, I've like explained this, like, there's ethical no, yeah. non monogamy all the time. Like,
1: I will say, definitely you. And in my own experiences in life, but, like, talking to you so much about my relationships. Like, I definitely have a different approach to relationships and what monogamy is and what a relationship really is. So maybe, anyway, not to diverge here again. But
0: Grunting but... and Groaning was grunting the second name of this podcast. Instead of Shaken and Disturb, it was going to be Grunting and Groaning. An- but, um... our
1: NMR episodes are just going to be called Grunting and Groaning. No, I think we should, forward. yes. Anyway. Uh, Suzanne would sometimes take her children with her for these sexual encounters christina yeah. stated quote I remember being embarrassed JD and I were sitting at the kitchen table in the stranger's house and our mom was in the other room having sex with him and quote God,
0: that has to be
1: Traumatizing. and I'm all
0: for free love like consensual sex yeah any whatever like do what you I do I believe sex work is should be legal yeah sure as long as it's consensual but There is something very traumatizing when it comes to kids doing this. This is wildly inappropriate. So inappropriate, yeah. Completely ridiculous, yeah.
1: Well, the family spent its early years moving between North Carolina and Houston, Texas. In 1982, James was arrested and convicted for molesting Christina and spent 11 months in a North Carolina prison. That's it? 11 months? I'm sorry, that sounds like. Oh yeah, that
0: seems very little.
1: I have I guess no it, sympathy for this Maybe type it's of like crime. the
0: degree? I don't know. This is outside of my purview. Totally. No, like I agree. Maybe it's the degree of molestation. Yeah. I don't know if like molesting means raping as well as like you touched her breast one time. Both are ha- horrendous, but yeah. I don't know if like it all is under the same umbrella is totally. what I'm saying. I don't yeah. know either.
1: Yeah. Christina recalls that while her father had abused both her and her brother, JD, he was not the only one responsible. On several occasions, Suzanne had brought both children to visit men's houses and watched as they were undressed and fondled by the men, which is disgusting. This is
0: generational trauma, though. You can see that, like, Suzanne was facing this from her parents, then married someone similar to this, and now is doing it to her children.
1: Totally. Well, after James's arrest, both children were sent to foster homes and eventually taken in by relatives. So, thank God this guy got arrested and these children were moved out of this home because... The sad thing about these types of crimes is that they usually don't just happen once, you know? They kind of become a pattern.
0: Yeah, it's generational, like I said, in in a lot of these. Well, in the early 1990s, Suzanne was reunited with her husband and children and decided it was time for a new start. She changed her last name to O'Malley and created a new Irish-American identity for herself, decorating her home with leprechauns, shamrocks, and even painting it green. Oh, dear. This feels like it wouldn't happen today. Maybe this I don't feels, know. This feels very circusy.
1: This feels like a moment to bring out our Irish accents again.
0: Oh, our Irish accents. Irish okay. accents. No. I've
1: got to go get my uh, okay. Bailey's Irish Cream. It's right behind me.
0: i got to go get my shamrock shake from McDonald's <laughs> downstairs. Bad. Oh, they're, they're back.
1: out. They're, they're, back.
0: Back. <laughs> they're back. They're back. They're back.
1: They're back. They're back. I the saw shamrock the shake. Yeah. Shamrock
0: shake. Anyway. All right. All right. However... Before we continue on with Shamrock, by the way, let's also
1: say she just chose O'Malley and decided to become an Irish person. Like, how does that work exactly?
0: Doesn't this feel a little like Rachel Dolezal? Dolezal, Like, this feels a little like, oh, we're just acquiring identity.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, However, Suzanne's relationship with her family, especially her son JD, was as dysfunctional as ever. I mean, how could it not be? Yeah, they had a sexual relationship, and she uh, would often force him to beg or shoplift Uh, at the age of 17 JD filed a complaint with the authorities about his mother's behavior however social services investigation into the situation was a dead end and he never received any help
1: Mm.
0: what this feels like a missing piece John if you ask me I mean this (laughs) feels like how would a 17 year old complaining about his mother's behavior
1: it's so weird.
0: how is it a dead end I guess you know like you don't even look into it
1: yeah, and the other How thing too. Possible? Yeah, the other thing too is like I feel like you'll agree with this. Over the years doing so many of these episodes, I feel like this varies state by state. Like some states are on top of this and like they'll investigate and like, you know, have all the resources, kind of similar to like the police departments of of different towns and things. So maybe this is just a situation where the state didn't have the resources to kind of follow up on this.
0: And or another alternative theory, this is a man complaining <laughs> that's about true too yeah. a woman sexual granted it's his mother but maybe this would have been looked at differently had it been a five-year-old girl complaining about it i don't know sure i don't I, know i
1: think that's something to think about for sure a
0: lot of speculation there in 1993 suzanne became involved with a man from new jersey named carmine Basso, of course yes who moved in with the family while james was still living in the home carmine became engaged to I'm using this in air quotes now to Suzanne because Suzanne was still married to James at the time and all the two, the two were never able to officially marry. Suzanne took his last name and lived as husband and wife in the home with her family. I guess she's just like creating rules. And to be (laughs) honest with you, I'm kind of fine with that. Like everything that we've sort of seen with Kim and Kanye and their divorce, like she's legally single now, but obviously she's been dating other people. He's been dating other people. So a lot of nuance here um in july of 1997 suzanne planned a trip to new jersey to visit carmine's family and during this trip suzanne met a 58 year old uh 58 year old named louis buddy musso at a new jersey church carnival which
1: church carnival what's that
0: that was like the tinder of the 90s okay (laughs) like that's where you meet people. church carnivals like wholesome good fun
1: well i'm glad i wasn't dating in the 90s then Okay. Yeah.
0: By the way, like she's with a basso, but she meets a muso, muso, and Is... she's Irish. Feels wrong. Who, I don't know who would have thunk. Just... Buddy was intellectually disabled, but was able to live independently, care for himself, and even worked at a local grocery store. His family described him as, as being somewhere between a seven and ten year old mentally. Oh, okay, dear. so he's fifty-eight, yeah. but obviously has a little you know stuntedness in his in his mental capabilities here. Buddy had been previously married, but his wife passed away from cancer in nineteen eighty. And shortly after the trip, Carmine was found dead in his office. An oh autopsy God. showed his death was due to a severe form of acid acid reflux, which was exacerbated by malnourishment. Wait. I don't know if you suffer from this ever, but yeah, okay.
1: Here.
0: I suffer from like acid reflux. I do take it a lot of times. Like if I'm ever yep, tums, there you I'm go. Shaking my
1: tums in the mic. Sorry um, not to interrupt you.
0: If you don't eat if you don't eat a lot, your breath mm-hmm. tends to smell Poorly because the stomach of your, the acids in your stomach are rising up because you have to like tampon it down with food. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why those are associated. That makes sense. Um, This, this was obviously problematic for Suzanne Mm -hmm. that he was found dead uh, as Carmine was her primary source of income. Very interesting that he was not only found dead in his office, but that like to me, unless you have like a really bad problem, a severe form of acid reflux exacerbated by malnourishment would have to be like very extreme, Eat like not eating for a long time to me. I don't even know what would cause that. Seems like insane I, to me.
1: I have never heard of that in my whole life. Dying from acid reflux. We're gonna have to keep going and see where, where this all plays out. But kinda sus if you ask me, although I'm sure it's possible. Well in yeah. June of yeah, in June of nineteen ninety eight, Buddy left his home in New Jersey to live with Suzanne in Jacinto City, Texas. Soon after moving to Texas, Al Becker, who's Buddy's longtime friend and social security representative Payee let's put, make sure that's clear, yeah. started having trouble getting in touch with Buddy. Al was able to call the house in Texas and had numerous conversations with Suzanne, but Al's ability to speak to Buddy became increasingly limited. Eventually, Suzanne flat out refused to let Al speak to Buddy altogether.
0: And given Buddy's mental capabilities here, I imagine that this could... E- e- like. Just where it's going in the story. I'm sure Suzanne could have created a hundred different million kind of excuses. A little bit of like a Munchausen by proxy syndrome here. Right. Like, you know. Good
1: point. Yeah. Well, Al became extremely concerned about his friend. By the way, Good. Let's yeah. not. Let's say. Let's say this too. If you're trying to reach out to somebody and they're like slowly not available to you and it seems out of the ordinary, there's probably a reason. That's something I've learned over the years doing well, this. Well, or they
0: gen genuinely don't want you in their life anymore. Well, but that I think too. That people yeah, people are able to kind of tell the difference. I think people have a pretty good intuition of like. Yeah. Does this person not want to be friends with me anymore, or are they avoiding me? Because if I'm only talking to Suzanne, that seems a little weird.
1: Right. So, as I said, Al had become extremely concerned about his friend and started reaching out to different state agencies in Texas seeking help. He was unable to find any information about Buddy, nor could he find anyone to help him dig deeper. This is also, don't forget, late 90s, so Google isn't even really a thing at this point. Obviously, it's harder to find things. I will say this, though, just kind of an interesting side bit here. I had a friend that I went to high school with that I was pretty good friends with. We were in the band together, not to talk about band again, but we were kind of, he wasn't in our, my social circle, like my friend group, but he was kind of like on the outside. Like we had lots of mutuals, but we didn't hang out together. Mm -hmm. Well, after college, my friends and I were all like, what happened? His name was Matt. We were like, what happened to Matt? Like, does anybody know where Matt is? Let me tell you something. My digital sleuthing was unmatched I dug deep on the internet found out that he's a teacher in Maryland I found his uh, phone number on the uh, internet his uh, his address this is all with like free resources by the way
0: no I know it's really easy to it's find crazy. that stuff out it's
1: crazy so like I think about Alan and and Buddy in this situation like he didn't have those resources you know he couldn't just find his phone number on the internet and call him so well, it's a and, lot more difficult
0: and if he's in trouble he might not have the capability right you yeah. know, with a with a mental capacity of a seven to ten year old, you 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 know, you're yeah. you're more of a child at that point in just terms of your of what you can handle, and so I'm sure Suzanne was taking care of everything, if you will. For sure. Point, you know.
1: Do you think I'm going to go to jail for what I just said on the show? No. No. Okay. Just him. No. If was, you I'll, do, I'm not bailing you out. You're not bailing me out.
0: I'll find a different co-host. It's fine. Oh, I'll move okay. on. Okay.
1: Sounds good. I'll move All on. Right. I'll move right. on. Fair enough. Please do. Don't I'll be worried
0: about me. I'm okay. Yeah. I'll okay.
1: Great. I'll yeah. be like Joe exotic, like doing in prison interviews and like that beat that <laughs> Darren carp. <laughs> yeah, by the way, we got a bleep button, guys. hi, yeah. how the f- are you?
0: Oh my. F- god <laughs> it only
1: works for me but dare, that'll hey, be funny whenever it in up. theory yeah. It could anyway. work. yeah all right back to this story in july suzanne tried and failed to legally reassign herself as buddy's social security payee by the way this gives al a little more of a of a reason to be checking in right because this guy yeah. is sort of getting this financial situation well around the same time suzanne applied for a Life insurance policy in Buddy's name, where she described herself as his wife-to-be and listed herself as the sole beneficiary. What do we say? Here we are yet again. Life insurance.
0: A a common, common thing uh, that I think happens, obviously, all the time. You know, yeah. 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 This doesn't
1: look good. We, doesn't this isn't good. anything new for our listeners. And I Life just want to say, I
0: know that Buddy could live independently and care for himself, but like, I just don't know. I don't want to trip up on my words thinking that he's like, he's mentally incapacitated right. and can't handle it. It's just that like, maybe he, while he can take care of himself, maybe the only information that he's getting is from people that he trusts. And if he trusts yeah. Suzanne, that's not a reliable source. I just want to Good say. point.
1: Yeah. Well, not only did she take one life insurance policy, she took out several of them for Buddy, one of which provided a payout of $65,000 in the event that Buddy died due to violent crime. Hmm. To me, it's a little bit, isn't this weird, like, that you can just do this, like, with life insurance policies? It almost gives you a reason (laughs) to, like... Have someone die in, in such it's a way? It's not
0: like it, like it, but like I didn't realize that there was different life insurance policies depending on how you died.
1: I was saying I was thinking that too. I just I'll be honest. We've talked about life insurance policies on the show so much in our other shows. I don't know how they work very well. Like, does everybody like if you get to a certain age, like you know, grandparents eventually they pass away, natural causes, whatever. Is there just simply a payout after that? I, I don't we had, know.
0: I mean, obviously you have to pay your dues on that and everything. Sure, yeah, but like. Yeah. Is there a life insurance policy if like someone commits suicide? Because that feels like right. that feels wrong. I know that one of our listeners, I think, either sold life insurance or I'm knows just up. say. So if any of our listeners you know, did that, could you DM us or write on our Patreon or write on our Facebook wall? Because like I think the more I look this up, the more confused I'm getting. get. I, and no I wish I need like I need like life insurance for dummies. Someone to help me out here. Yeah.
1: Well, during this time, Suzanne also helped Buddy draft a document titled Last Will and Testament, which stated Buddy's entire estate should be left to Suzanne and, quote, no one else is to get a cent, end quote. That
0: feels a little harsh.
1: (laughs) Not, and especially thinking that he has the mindset of a seven to 10-year-old. Like, what's going on here, really? Yeah, exactly. In mid-August, several people saw Buddy and noticed he had black eyes. Suzanne explained this away by telling them Buddy had been beaten up by some Mexicans.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, okay.
1: That'll make sense. Yeah,
0: believable. Yeah, totally.
1: One neighbor spoke to Buddy directly, asking if he wanted him to call the police or an ambulance, to which Buddy reportedly replied, quote, no, you call anybody and she'll just beat me up again, end quote. So this is getting, this is more than just taking advantage of him. There's now, like, physical abuse, and it sounds like some sort of, um... But could What's he not the
0: escape? Could he not? Yeah,
1: like a hot, not a hostage situ- situation, but yeah, like does something seem like that. It
0: like held against his will in yeah, some yeah, sort of yeah. way or like. Well, on August 22nd, Houston police responded to a report of an assault and found three men in a field near the apartment of Suzanne's friend, Bernice Ahrens. The three were later identified as Buddy, JD, and JD's friend, Terrence Singleton. JD and Terrence were leading Buddy on a military style run. Now, the responding officers noticed that Buddy had two black eyes. And was actually Ugh. complaining he didn't want to run anymore. The officer asked Buddy how he had received the black eyes. JD answered that he had been beaten up by some Mexicans. Okay, like...
1: What is this? Wh-
0: and, like, are the police just, like, believing this? Yeah, Like, exactly. I don't understand. Um, and why Mexicans? It doesn't make yeah. sense. The officer then drove all three to Bernice Aaron's apartment where he spoke to Suzanne, who claimed she was Buddy's legal guardian. Suzanne then told off her son for making Buddy run laps. Okay. But the officer noted that he was skeptical of the situation, but agreed to leave Buddy in Suzanne's care.
1: Great. By the way, great that the officer at least noticed something. Although, I don't know. Like, if he's he's got two black eyes and you know that he's... I mean, I'm assuming the officer knows. He's of not great mental stability here. I don't know. But like, then again, it's like, what can a police officer do if there's no crime and what's committed? his job
0: if no, right? Yeah. If no one's complaining about it, and also again, even though the mental capacity might take a play in this, a man complaining about a woman beating yeah. him up—it's
1: true. It's not
0: it almost seems not believable. On August 27, Suzanne began to tell people Buddy had run away. Suzanne made several phone calls, including one to the local police department and another to Buddy's niece, where she expressed concern about not knowing where Buddy was. Especially because Buddy has family, that's what also feels weird about the will and testament being like, no one else gets a cent. It just yeah. feels very odd. Yeah. Now, in this call, Suzanne claimed he had run away with a little Mexican lady whom he'd <laughs> met at a laundromat. Is she racist, much against Mexicans? I'm Some just so curious. It's just... like, why? Yeah, maybe because she's in Houston. Maybe that's I'm assuming, why that there's yeah, a lot of like Latin influence there. I don't know. Easy to scapegoat
1: um, Mexicans, especially in that part of Texas. Sure, if you're racist. On the, mo-
0: on the morning of August twenty eighth, nineteen ninety eight, Buddy's body was found dumped by the side of a Ugh. road in Galena Park. He was badly beaten and wearing only one shoe, which oddly was on the wrong foot.
1: Which tells me it was taken off and put back on in the wrong way, right? Yeah.
0: I mean, that's the assumption. Yeah. but again. How much of it can be an excuse of mm-hmm. he doesn't have the wherewithal mentally to be able to handle it. Like He can act independently and he can care for himself, but does that mean that he gets his shoes? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how much of an excuse Suzanne's going to use for this. So right. let's see.
1: Well, upon investigation, the medical examiner found numerous injuries to but- Buddy's body and was unable to count the number of bruises which covered God. him from head to toe. This is brutal. The palms of his hands and the soles of his feet were bruised. His back and buttocks showed lacerations that indicated he had been whipped and burned with cigarettes or a hot poker. Let now let we're getting say, into torture.
0: Have you ever bruised the palm of your hand or the sole of your foot? No, like, not to my knowledge. They're engin- like, we're evolutionarily designed to have it essentially yeah. be like a callus on our hands and right. to handle rough surfaces. And the bottoms of our feet were on those all day. So, like, to get those things to be bruised, I don't even want to no, know type of torture.
1: Well, he had a he had a severely black eye, likely resulting from a blow to the back of his head, which has had caused a hinge fracture to his skull. Ugh. Buddy had numerous broken bones, including several fractured ribs and a broken nose. By the way, there's also something like I don't know, ironic that his name is Buddy. You know, like know. here's your buddy, and like he's getting. Ugh, it's just terrible. I
0: know.
1: He had also suffered dozens of contusions all of different ages which were likely inflicted throughout the 5 days leading up to Buddy's death. The medical examiner also found that Buddy had suffered skin burns possibly from coming into contact with a harsh cleaning solution or scrubbing brush. I oh, mean
0: god.
1: It's like how many different ways can you inflict harm on a human being for c- crying this out loud.
0: Torture. Out?
1: Well Buddy's official cause of death was found to be due to a skull fracture which left an x-shaped wound in his scalp in total the medical examiner was able to confirm at least 18 blows to just his head i mean that is oh horrific my
0: god this also makes me just think about like how tough human beings are like yeah surviving one blow to the head like <laughs> yeah well, you know true. you can die from a fall but like you can be beaten almost to the <sighs> brink of death and like survive it it's crazy
1: and as his legal guardian suzanne was questioned about buddy's death and she immediately confessed to killing him Oh. Wow. Okay. Okay, okay. Well, that's in a her, good turn. That's a good turn, yeah. In her written statement to police, Suzanne admitted that she had beaten Buddy and that JD and his two friends, Craig, who was the son of Bernice, Suzanne's best friend, and Terrence, Craig's sister's fiancé, who we were just mentioning, had also beaten him for at least a full day before his death. So this ki- this poor man, like, you know... It's one thing if you're going to murder somebody, but to prolong torture this way is, like, a whole other level of...
0: Especially for someone who not only can't defend themselves, but also, like, not that this is any excuse, but, like, okay, JD, okay, Suzanne, but, like, why Bernice Aaron's getting involved in this? She doesn't have that generational trauma. Like, why, why is... Why is the son of Bernice getting involved in this? It makes me think
1: that it's like, help me get rid of this guy and I'll cut you into the life insurance I'm eventually going to get. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. Well, she confessed to driving her friend Bernice's car with Buddy's body in the trunk to a site where J.D., Craig, and Terrence dumped his body and disposed of other incriminating evidence, including bloody clothes and rubber gloves. After taking her confession, police were actually able to locate and recover these items. Okay, um, so
0: maybe this yeah. will be solved. I guess my question here right now is, why is J.D. doing this for his mother?
1: Right, that's the question, he yeah.
0: have a good relationship. In June of 1999, Suzanne, J.D., Terrence Singleton, Craig Aarons, and Bernice Aarons were all indicted for Buddy's murder during the course of the kidnapping. Um, Suzanne's trial was scheduled to begin last in July of 1999, Prosecutors painted a heartbreaking picture of Buddy telling the jury how he had wanted a family more than anything in the world, and now he had boarded his bus to Texas wearing cowboy boots and a uh, cowboy hat. This
1: is heartbreaking. I mean, it really is. How, how much more horrible can this story possibly even get at this point?
0: And, like, his wife died. I just, like... I know. At trial, Craig testified against Suzanne and gave jurors the full horrifying story. Craig stated that one week in August of 1998... Suzanne and J.D. brought Buddy to the apartment that Craig shared with Terrence and three other friends. Craig noticed that Buddy had two black eyes, which Suzanne claimed were from Buddy getting beaten up by Mexicans as he went for a walk.
1: Here we go again.
0: Once inside the apartment, Suzanne ordered Buddy. At least the story's staying straight. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, you know. Yeah. Once inside the apartment, Suzanne ordered Buddy to stay on a red and blue mat. Sometimes she commanded him to crouch on his hands and knees. Sometimes she ordered him to stay kneeling. Suzanne claimed that Buddy had broken an ornament and needed to be punished. Oh, this is this is generational trauma here. And it's At also some...
1: treating him like a child, by the way, as well.
0: Yeah, because I'm sure that's how she was treated. Yeah. At some point during the weekend, J.D. had become violent with Buddy, beating him, kicking him repeatedly while wearing boots. Suzanne had slapped Buddy but asked J.D. to stop being so violent. J.D. stopped, and then Suzanne asked him why he had stopped. J.D. stated... That he had gotten tired and wanted to remove his
1: boots. Oh, he was tired of beating up a defenseless person. Okay.
0: Right, but like, your mom's going to tell you to stop beating this guy. Then when you do, she's going to wonder why you stopped.
1: Mental illness.
0: Craig also testified that during the weekend, Suzanne had hit Buddy on the back with a baseball bat, a belt, a vacuum cleaner, and had jumped on him. Other testimony established that at the time, Suzanne weighed roughly 300 pounds. What's the motive here?
1: I know. I mean, aside from I mean, which, by the way, $65,000 in this violent manner of trying to kill this man isn't even that much money. I mean, of course it is if you're if you're maybe like, you know, poor or or struggling in those ways. But to do all this for an amount of money that isn't going to really last you a lifetime, like. Are you understanding the ramifications of your actions at all? Especially,
0: I mean, not that we've said this at least yet, but like, especially if you're splitting it with someone, like, what are you, like, you're doing this for like 5K? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, right. Any amount of money, but like, what?
1: And we don't know if that's truly what was going to happen here, but we're just assuming. Right. Well, throughout the weekend, Buddy was denied food, water, and toilet access. He was beaten when he was wetting himself. What else can you do if you're not allowed to use the bathroom here? By the way, this is so, like, what is this, false imprisonment? Like, there's a term for this that's, like, very disturbing. Yeah, torture. torture. Craig continued that when Suzanne left the apartment for work, she instructed JD to watch the others and make sure they did not use the phone or leave the apartment. After Suzanne was gone, Buddy begged to be allowed off of the mat, but JD refused when Buddy tried to get up anyway. JD beat him. When uh, Buddy's injuries from the beating got too severe, J.D. brought him to the bathroom and cleaned his body off with bleach, comet, pine saw, all of this using a wire brush to scrub his wounds. I mean, this is almost unbearable at this point. I
0: actually, like, I can't even... I know.
1: You you guys can't see it, but Darren's, like, turning away. Yeah, at some point during their time at the apartment, Buddy asked Suzanne to call him an ambulance, which, of course, she refused. Craig also testified that Buddy was clearly in a lot of pain from the beatings. Right. Great.
0: Great. I'm glad he's paying. Attention, glad
1: we're Craig. testifying thanks, about Craig. that. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, thanks, Craig. <sighs> According to Craig, there had been at least four or five of these criminal uh, chemical baths, you know, with the pe- uh, bleach and pine saw and everything. Buddy had apparently died during the final one.
0: Almost and thank Buddy, god for that. I mean like I for I real. to say that but no, like, I know. suffering this is like horrible. I can't even read this. This is terrible.
1: I know. Buddy had lived in Texas for 16 days before he was killed with Ter- his
0: cowboy boots and hat that he went to Texas with John.
1: I know. I know. Terence testified that quote, "The blows that killed Buddy are the blows of Suzanne hitting him with a vacuum and JD constantly kicking him in the back of the head." I know he didn't die from us hitting him because he had been up and responsive.
0: Okay, Terrence. Thanks, Terrence. Terrence,
1: Thanks. We get it. Everyone was responsible except you. Right.
0: Got it. But your blows had no contribution. Yeah, no no contribution there. Yeah. No.
1: Well, the jury returned guilty verdicts for each defendant. And 55 year old Bernice was sentenced to 80 years in prison. 26 year old Craig was sentenced to 60 years. Terrence and Suzanne were found guilty of capital murder. And Terrence was sentenced to life in prison. and Yeah. Bernice being sentenced
0: to 80 years feels like...
1: Surprising.
0: A, a very surprising. And what's also surprising here, and we're going to get into the Suzanne part of it all, but like, is that Suzanne yeah. admitted it. I'm surprised right. she didn't even want to get away with it. That's what's so interesting here. Yeah, yeah. So makes me even think more of like, what is the motive? Like... Totally. I don't get it. On August twenty third, 1999, Suzanne was sentenced to death by lethal injection. For, for 14 years, Suzanne's defense team tried and failed to appeal the sentence. Throughout these appeals, Suzanne tried to claim she had gone blind. She had become paralyzed, had begun suffering delusions, as well as attempting to mimic the speech patterns of a little girl. Oh, During this time, she underwent and attempted to manipulate a series of psychological tests. Colleen Barnett, an ADA who worked on the prosecution team, commented on her behavior, stating, quote, it was challenging, but I saw her for who she was. I was determined I was not going to let her get away with it. Now, throughout this time, Suzanne's daughter, Christina, was a very outspoken proponent of her mother's death sentence, commenting, she's off the streets. She can't hurt anybody. Let the inmates kill her. I don't care. She was wow. never a mother. She doesn't have any mothering instincts. She threw us away and left us out there to fend for ourselves. Now let her do a little fending for herself.
1: Wow. wow. Christina.
0: I'm actually really curious to see what she thinks of her fucking brother J.D. Yeah. Like, I don't know what happened like to J.D. Like, what what was his sentencing? But, she also stated to the Houston Chronicle, I might just sit at home and pop a bottle of champagne when the lethal injection is given. Wow. She's not holding
1: back on these things. And the truth
0: of the matter is, before we finish this up, it's like, the truth of the matter is, is like, given the fact how I feel about capital punishment, which I've talked about all the time, Christine, like, I... Christina's reaction to this is so visceral and so real that I 100,000% a million agree with her and like Mm -hmm. feeling like wanting to do that I just I it's weird because she's a she's an outspoken like proponent of her mother's death sentence and I get that but. And then she wants her to kind of suffer in prison, and then she's kind of. Su- I it just feels very odd celebrating a death, but when someone has wronged you so many ways, yeah, like I I do think there's justification for celebration there, like in your own life. And I don't necessarily think she should have been put to death, but I understand the emotional response of wanting to celebrate that, and as she's, sick as that is.
1: No, I agree, and she's probably empathizing with the victim here. I mean, of she probably knows what her mother is capable of. And maybe there's some justice in her own way feeling like, "Oh, well, at least now she's going to prison, she can't hurt me or anyone else for that reason."
0: Well, on Wednesday, February 5th, 2014, 59 year old Suzanne was executed by lethal injection. When asked if she'd like to make a final statement, she declined, choosing only to smile, and not at two of her friends and, and, and not at two of her friends who watched through a window. Suzanne was the 14th woman executed in the United States since 1976.
1: Wow. What are your thoughts? You know, you talked a lot about capital punishment and the death penalty. I mean, what are you thinking in terms of that whenever we, especially not just with this show or this episode, but other episodes where we get to a point where someone's been executed? Well, you know, it's tough because it's
0: one of those things where it's like, if anyone's going to get it, it should be someone Someone like like this, this. right? Like, it, it makes sense that it would be somebody like this. And so, therefore, I mean, the weird thing is, there's a lot of ifs for me here. Why did she admit to it? Like, did she know she did something wrong? Because while the beating and all of this is happening and, you know, her ex-husband comes to death, like, where is the reconciliation in her mind? To me, when you admit that you did something wrong, it would say something to me about that person having the wherewithal to understand the difference between right and wrong, but her behavior showed completely the opposite of that like throughout this entire thing where it was almost like you know I think this is a deeply flawed insecure person who I can't blame her necessarily for having these deep insecure flaws because hello look at how her childhood was like I'm not confident she really had much of a a choice in her life right I'm not sure That's that she's true. like I'm gonna choose to be this horrible but she was there's no excuse for everything that she done if any if anything was you know if anyone sort of deserved it is it's this woman but I don't know. Like,
1: yeah, I hear you. I agree. I, I,
0: I, 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 you know, I, I like, I'm for freedom of speech, and that includes bad speech, right? And it includes speech that yeah. I don't necessarily agree with. And I guess, same here, like, it has to be the same rules. Like, I believe in your right to life. And so I have to even do that for people who I think morally should be dead, morally sounds, should be put to death, you know?
1: It sounds to me like. You're all about severe punishment, but not necessarily death, you know?
0: Yeah, no, and, like, I just don't like stink-stinctured murder, and, like,
1: I I don't know,
0: her smiling, like, that's so eerie, it's so fucked up. Well, I mean,
1: not to to speak lightly about mental illness, or in a a way that's not super, uh, what's the word, backed up with science here, but... I mean, I think we can all agree, given her childhood and the things she saw with her mom and all this other stuff, you know, there's probably mental illness that's a very big part of what's happening here, you know? Yeah, and like... And how like, do you how do you re- deal with that as someone?
0: Yeah, because you know, Suzanne, sorry. as horrible as she was as a mother, was also a child once. And like, yeah, how yeah. much of her inner child is coming out? And I know we sort of mentioned her weight a lot. Clearly, that was a touch point for her. You know, clearly, that right. was something that was horrible it seems a little odd because her first husband died from malnourishment. Mm. So maybe there's something to do with that. But I really feel like Suzanne probably, you know, hated herself. And this is kind of how it projects in the most extreme way. We want to hear from you. This is a lot of information. This is a horrible case. This is a lot of kind of ups and downs. I think that you can I think, at least for me, I think that you can maybe feel satisfied that she was put to death and off the streets while also not believing in capital punishment at the same time. But let us know what you think, at Jay Thrasher, yeah. at Carpe Darren. Uh, Facebook group is Shaken and Stirred Podcast Fans. And, of course, uh, for all of our Patreon listeners out there, you certainly can comment on our Patreon board right there. This is a really hard case to get to for me. Some of those um,
1: details, I was like, oh, boy.
0: But let's end on a positive note with some yes. listener shout-outs
1: great idea um i just wanted to give a shout out to a new listener named john not only for being a big fan already he posted in our facebook group or actually it was on twitter but also just because darren his name is john and, and he's named and
0: after you you didn't know he's that.
1: named after me actually that's
0: clear
1: um his his parents uh they were pregnant just a few years ago when we started the show Absolutely, uh, absolutely and became huge fans named him after me there you go thanks john for listening say, love you
0: john fuck you to your parents for not naming you darren <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Okay. All right. Now I'm, I am I got to get territorial here. Well, okay. Stephanie in our Facebook group says, did John Thrasher instill Spice Girl hype into others? Because I liked them before, but now I'm just jamming out all the oh. time because I can't get their songs out of my head. John, do you want to own up to your own?
1: Yeah. I'm going to say. Your own
0: shit? Wait, John, I'm... bleep me.
1: Okay. John,
0: do you want to own up to your own?
1: How you like that? Yeah. Do you? I do own up to my own <laughs> And the reason is I just f-ing love the Spice Girl. See how good we are, guys? We we upgraded our equipment here. Um I'm just really excited <laughs> that the Spice Girls evangelism that I was put on this earth to do and to spread yes. is happening in whatever way it can. Also You're a download
0: evangelist.
1: Absolutely. A spice angelist. Yep. Yes. yes. Um yes. No, but thank you so much, Stephanie. Um, listen, they put they listen, there is maybe one or two, maybe three things that put me in a really good mood no matter what my where I am in life. The Spice Girls, the music, will take me from zero to one hundred in just a few bars of the songs. And I'm not exaggerating. It's no, just like I could a dopamine see that. hit.
0: If it came on and I was having a bad day, but it came on in the background, you can't not dance or sing along to the song. Thank you, exactly. You just can't. You can't. See, my
1: evangelism is happening even right now with Derek. yeah
0: so. yeah your zoom angelism <laughs> is uh, definitely happening right
1: now but uh thank you stephanie and yeah, uh moving you, on here we just want to say we hope that you guys are gonna j- are joining our patreon group we've got bonus videos episodes blogs photos you name it it's all happening for as little as five dollars a month and you can even save a little extra per month if you subscribe annually we want to reinforce, guys. Like this is what keeps our show going. We And this really gets us bleep boards and right. different. Sign this up for us... motherfucking Patreon right the Ru- now,
0: right, mother. Now, thank you. It looks a little bit better when you do it. It's going to be it. different
1: because Darren's going to give me her audio track, and it's going to not sync up. But I'm just going to leave it like it is because it's going to be. Just leave fun. it as yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah just yeah.
0: leave it as it is. um And please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate it. It's like a little tip in our tip jar without any money, uh, and we That's really, right. we really do appreciate it. John, how are we going to end every single show?
1: We love you, Megan. She was a producer on this week's episode. Let's count us down. One, two, three. Thanks,
0: Thanks Megan. Thanks, Megan. You should have bleeped that whole thing.
1: Yeah. Well, Megan, thank you for all your fucking work. Yeah. Um, like, you're
0: just a beautiful motherfucking soul. Yep. 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 <laughs> yep, yep. 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 Do you guys yep.
1: understand? Like, the yep. show is now going to just be us, like,
0: it's going to be, time. yeah. Great. Yeah. We've lost listeners.
1: Great. Yeah, we've lost people are unsubscribing by the millions. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we fucking love you guys. <laughs> we'll see you on next week's episode. And bye for now. Bye.